every service, we must compete. All right. Normally, we compete guys versus girls in the forge. Uh, but today, we're going to do something a little special. We are going to compete students versus adults. Right now. It is a new year. It is the first Wednesday back of the new year. I'm very excited about it. And so how many of you guys have New Year's resolutions that you're trying to, trying to make happen this year? Raise of hands. Anybody? We got a couple. All right. How many of you guys have New Year's resolutions that involve fitness or dieting of some, of some sort? All right. Most of us do. Most of us do. Well, we are going to help you out today because we will have a little fitness competition. All right. So what we will be doing is walking lunges. Okay. We're going to have a little race of walking lunges. For those of you who don't know what a walking lunge is, simply you lunge and up and lunge and up. And after you do quite a few of these, your legs start to burn. You question yourself, your New Year's resolutions. You find yourself on the couch with oatmeal cream pies spread out across. And there you are. All right. So we're going to get in shape today. So I need a student to represent the students who knows they have it on lockdown. So, oh man, let's go with Emmanuel. Give it up for Emmanuel. Come on up. Come around to the stairs right over here. Now, moment of truth. Is there an adult that dares take the challenge? Oh, we got one right here. Let's go. Give it up. Give it up. All right. All right. So, Emmanuel, have you ever done walking lunges before? Yes. Okay. You've done them before. How do you feel? Where would you rate your walking lunge skills? Pretty decent. One to ten. Seven. Seven. Wow. Here we go. Okay. And what's your name? Lindsay, give it up for Lindsay volunteering. There we go. Lindsay, where would you rate your walking lunge skills? Uh, fit camp. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We're going to start right over here at this X. And we will start here. So the race is... <laughs> she says he's got longer legs. It's true, it's true. What you have to do is, when I say go... You have to do a walking lunge. Your knee does not have to touch the ground because in the forge, we are pro kneecaps. So we don't want to shatter your knees. But come close, right? Get your leg at roughly a 90 degree angle. You will walking lunge down, down, down. Once you pass this music stand here, you will turn around and you will walking lunge back, back, back. And the first one to get back to your spot will win the walking lunge competition. All right. Emmanuel, are you ready? Lindsay, are you ready? If you guys think Emmanuel's going to win for the students, let me hear you. Okay. If you think Lindsay's going to win for the adults, let me hear you. Okay. Here we go. Remember, to the music stand, I'll stand down here and then turn around and go back. On your marks. Get set. Go. There we go. We got some nice deep walking lunges. There we go. And back. Here we go. Here we go. It's a close one. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay takes the win. There it is. A very close race. You guys can have a seat. Thank you very much. Give it up for both of them. Whoops. One more time. The adults prove they still got it. We got something to work toward, Forge. I have to say, our track record for takeovers is not good. We lose to the adults, uh, I think, every time so far. We'll get them one of these times, though. We're getting, we're getting closer. Now, when we think 
New Year's resolutions, right? When we think getting into shape, right? All of it has to do with one word, right? And this word also happens to be a foundational principle in our spiritual lives. This word is transformation. Transformation, right? Everything we do in some way revolves around this word, right? Because transformation, it happens all the time. Let's define transformation real quick so we know what we're talking about. I hit up the great Google and it said that transformation is a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. That is transformation, right? You were one way, you made some changes, and then you were another way. And so we're going to look at transformation, why it's important, how we do it, because it is vitally important. But first we have to get a little specific about what we're talking about, right? Because there's a lot of different types of transformation. First, there is unintentional transformation, right? And this is where you, without knowing it, without even trying, happen to transform, to change, right? A very simple um, example would be if you don't go and get your hair cut for a while and then you look in a mirror and you're like, wow, the flow is strong. Okay, I can see this, right? It just, it happens. You transform. Now, in our lives, we're constantly transforming, right? And often we don't even realize it. One thing we say in the Forge a lot is every single decision you make for better or for worse transforms you into someone, right? Even if you think, man, this decision is just one tiny little thing, right? It puts you, as my wife says, a penny out of a dollar closer to something, right? You are constantly changing into someone or something. Now, that's unintentional transformation, right? We could talk all night about that. But what I actually really would like to talk about is intentional transformation, Right? When we try to become something different, right? which we all have, whether you know, you're a teenager and you're like, man, I want to look like Jay Biebs, right? Justin Bieber, that's got to be me. You grow the hair out, right? start flexing the pipes, and, uh, and you try to become like whoever you're trying to be like. right? Maybe it's adults, right? Maybe your 45th birthday just hit and you're like, I'm feeling kind of old. I should buy a motorcycle, right? That's the logical thing to do. I'm going to dive my dad, right? He's, he was a, uh, a youth pastor himself. He was getting in his upper 40s, and uh, he had that, that moment of panic. Man, what if I'm too old for this? So like any uh, logical adult would do, he went out, he bought some hair dye, he dyed his hair and his goatee jet black, which was nowhere near where he started, and he introduced, his name is Robert, he's gone by Robert his whole life, but now he was Pastor Rob. Hey, what's up? Pastor Rob, nice to meet you, right? He wanted to transform himself, and we laughed at him for that, yes. And so, intentional transformation, right? That's what New Year's resolutions are all about. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. And it's difficult, right? That's why most of us, if we're being honest, don't make it to where we wanted to be, especially on New Year's resolutions, right? They're, they're very difficult. I failed many myself. Just life happens and you, you don't reach that goal. It is difficult to intentionally transform. Now, the transformation that we will be talking about today is intentional spiritual transformation. And if I'm being honest, many years of my life have gone by where intentional spiritual transformation was not even a thought. Right? I would think about physical transformation. I would think about mental transformation. Right, The kind of person that I am 
But year to year, where I was spiritually, where I was with Jesus, how I was growing in my faith, that was not really something that was changing. You can change everything about yourself, become a new person, and spiritually stay the same. Right? And the Bible, it speaks a lot about transformation. And so the question is, is why? Right? And so we're going to actually look real quick at an example in the Bible of the transformation that we're talking about. Right? If you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, or your ancient scrolls, please unravel them to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Here's just an example of the kind of transformation we're talking about. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? This is kind of the poster for spiritual transformation. It's the big one. It's not the only one, which we'll get to, but it's the big one, right? When somebody goes from dead in their sin, right, bound for the gates of hell, and they experience the eternal life and freedom of Jesus Christ, they are no longer the person they were. They have transformed, right? And so that answers the question, why do we need to transform? Because you always have to ask why? In fact, when I was a young child, I was very good at asking why. Elijah, clean your room. Why? Right? My parents loved it. Elijah, be nice to your siblings. Why? Right? I'd ask why about literally everything. I'm sure God will repay me someday when I have a child. I'm just, I'm absolutely sure of it. But uh, it just, it helps. It helps all of us, right? Whether child or adult. When we know the why behind something, we are much, much, much more likely to do that thing than just to blindly follow advice. And so we're going to look at the why, right? Why do we need to transform? Now, to answer that, I'm going to tell a story, all right? Because that's kind of my thing, right? I don't really consider myself a preacher, but I am a storyteller. So that's what you get tonight, right? So I myself, little known fact, am uh, very into recreational powerlifting, all right? I am a recreational powerlifter. What that is, recreational, right? I don't compete, right? I'm not professional by any means, but I just love it. So just for funsies, I go into the gym and I train powerlifting, right? What that is, is the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. You try to get as strong as you can, right? It doesn't matter how big you get, right? It doesn't really matter your endurance because you only need to do it for one. But as much weight as you can squat, bench, and deadlift, that's my thing right there. But you got to start somewhere, right? All powerlifters, they're not super powerful, right, when they start. And nor was I. In fact, my transformation journey um, started and I was the runt, right, in, in high school. I was the very, very smallest, shortest, right? That was me. And just so you guys don't take my word for it, I brought a little picture proof. This is Elijah freshman year of high school. Right there. Freshman year. I was 15 years old and I looked like a third grader, right? Yes. Now, if you can imagine... Freshman Elijah, he didn't, he didn't squat, bench, or deadlift very much weight at all. In fact, um, I avoided those exercises for a long time until I finally decided to try it. I mean, squat was my favorite, all right? I love to squat, get the bar, go down, come back up, and I squatted like under 100 pounds, all right? And for a power lifter, that's not very good. So I had some work to do. But transformation occurred. Right? Because the thing about working out is you go in, you work out, right? You feel terrible the next day, you question your life decisions. But if you go back, when the muscles heal and you don't feel awful anymore, you're a little bit stronger than you were before. And you keep doing that over and over, right? I was 15 in that picture and now I am 27, right? And so it's been a hot minute 
And, um, and I'm a little stronger now. In fact, I want to show you guys a little something. This was just a couple months ago. Not that. We can just never see that again, actually. Here we go. Just for a full transformation, that is 440 pounds, my current best. It was a struggle. My neck almost exploded. But there we are, right? Thank you very much. My wife is always like, why do you do that? You, it looks dangerous, right? But I say that, I show that, right? Not for my own glory, because there's guys 30 pounds lighter than me who can double my squat. But I, I show that to show the transformation, right? I am not the 15-year-old, you know, 100-pound child that I once was. Transformation occurred. Now, if you would have gone to 15-year-old Elijah and said, you need to squat 440 pounds, right? You know, you could have given me the best pep talks in the world. You could have got me the fanciest lifting gear, right? Strap it on, listen to my music, get ready to go. I could have wanted it more than I wanted anything. And if I got under there, it would squish me like a bug. There would be no chance. So why did I need to transform? Because there was an obstacle in front of me that was greater than my own power. That was why I needed to physically transform. The exact same is why we are called to transform spiritually. Because there is an obstacle in front of us that is greater than our own power. It doesn't matter how good of a life you live. It doesn't matter how many kind things you do for other people. Right? It doesn't matter how bad you want to go to heaven. It doesn't matter how hard you try to be good. Sin and death. They consume us from the time we are born into this world. And no matter how good we are, we cannot overcome that obstacle by our own power. So what do we need to do? We must transform. There's no other way around it. We must transform or we are bound for the grave. Even worse than that, right? We have this obstacle of sin and death in front of us, but we have no way to transform, right? At least in powerlifting, You know what you have to do. You have to train. You have to do all your sets, all your reps, right? Get your workouts in and you can make it, right? But it's not the same because we can try as hard as we want every single day and we still can't overcome it. It would be like saying you have to squat 440 pounds, but I'm going to chain you to a tree so that you can't work out. Now your chances just went from slim to none, right? That's us with our big sin problem. But then enter Jesus, right? A story that we've all likely heard. Jesus comes in. He takes care of the sin problem by dying on the cross, taking our sin, rising from the grave and defeating sin and death. But here's the thing. That doesn't make us transform, right? Transformation does not instantly occur when Jesus comes up from the grave. As much as I wish it were true, it's not. Right. Going back to the analogy, it would be like somebody taking the chains off of you. Right. Giving you the opportunity to go get stronger. But unless you take it, you won't transform. And that's a hard truth for a lot of us. A lot of us are like, yeah, you know, I believe that Jesus was real. I absolutely do. I go to church on Christmas. I go to church on Easter, sometimes even a couple more times. Right. I read my Bible. Those are all great things. But if you have not personally accepted Jesus Christ. You can't transform. You have not gone from death to life. Jesus' sacrifice created an invitation for you to transform. An invitation for you to transform. But it's still up for you to take it. Now, when we talk about transformation, there are two types of spiritual transformation. Two. There are transformation to Christ 
and transformation in Christ. Let me show you what each of them are because they should be handled very differently. Right? Transformation to Christ. We're going to pull up that verse from 2 Corinthians 5 one more time. Right? Because this is what transformation to Christ is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we talk about transformation to Christ, we talk about you were dead in your sin. No matter what you did, you had no chance at eternal life. You accepted Jesus. You rose from the grave with him. And now there's life, right? That is transformation to Christ. That is the best decision you'll ever make, right? And that has to come first. It does. Because if you try to do this second one before the first one, which, spoiler alert, we often do, we set ourselves up for failure. What I'm talking about is transformation in Christ. It sounds similar, but it's actually very different. And it occurs very differently. Transformation in Christ. To look at that, we're going to look at Romans I'm sorry, not Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. This is the Apostle Paul talking to a group of Christians, but they're new Christians, right? They have transformed from death to life, but they haven't gone much further. This is what he has to say. He says, According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. There's a lot in that verse, but to kind of sum it up, right? He says, okay, you've been saved. You've transformed to Christ, right? You have salvation now. He says, this is the starting line. Now that you've done that, everyone has the foundation of Jesus Christ. And here's the problem. We often treat obtaining the foundation of Jesus Christ as if we've just crossed the finish line. We get baptized and we're like, yes, right? I finished the race. I'm done. I gave my life to Christ. It's an amazing decision, but it is the starting line, right? It is where the journey begins. The rest of your journey, right? The much longer part likely will be transformation in Christ. That's what do you do once you've accepted Jesus? That's where most of us are. And it's tough to navigate because it's not talked about near as much as transforming to Christ, right? Both, both equally important, right? Actually, I would say transforming to Christ is more important because otherwise, um, you know, there is no hope. But this, very important, talked about very much transformation in Christ. It talks about building a house on that foundation. And it says each person is responsible for what kind of house they build. Right. And then it uses the analogy Paul does of building materials. Right. How you build upon it. He lists three good. Right. Gold, silver, metal. He lists three bad. Wood, hay, straw. Right. All very flammable. In our lives, that looks like how we go about maturing in Christ. Right. Do we do things that build a solid foundation? Sorry, upon a solid foundation, a solid house. Do we do things that draw us closer to God, that strengthen us as we transform, right? Being a part of a a Christian community, right? Not walking this alone. Do we flee from temptation? Are we in our word? All these things that build us up stronger. 
right? Or do we build our house with weak building materials, right? Flammable things, right? Do we give our time to so many different places that God kind of gets what's left, right? Is, are we Christians on Sunday, but you don't want to hear what I said to the boys last Saturday, right? It's the reality a lot of us are in. And so are we building with strong materials or are we building with weak materials? See, the difference between transformation to Christ and transformation in, in Christ is one saves us and the other refines us. One saves us and the other refines us. Now back to my favorite question. Why? Why do I need to transform in Christ? Because the reality of the situation is if I get baptized, if I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to heaven, right? Whether I transform and become stronger or not. That's true, right? That is true. It even says at the end of the Corinthians verse, you will still be saved, but only through fire, right? That means you barely made it through, but you did. But here's the deal. The mark of a strong Christian, the mark of a transformed Christian is not worrying about, am I saved? It's starting to worry about how many of God's creation am I taking with me, right? How am I letting God use me to show his love to the world, right? And so here's the why. Why do I need to be refined, right? Why can't I just look after me? What does the Bible have to say about that? Romans 10, 13 through 15 sums it up very nicely. Romans 10, 13 through 15. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, right? It creates this assembly line, right? When somebody transforms to Christ, right? They are then sent out, right? The Great Commission, go therefore, making disciples, preaching, teaching, baptizing. They're sent out. Once they're sent, they preach, Once they preach the word, somebody hears it, right? Once somebody hears it, they decide, okay, right? I'm all in for this. And they surrender and they transform and then they are sent and they preach and someone hears and someone else. And you see this cycle, right? But what happens if it gets to me, right? I'm saved. I go out and I'm like, I'm good. You know, I got me and that's all I need. Well, then the people that I could have reached... Right. And not only that. Right. Because maybe I only reach one person, but maybe that one person reaches one person who reaches 10 people, who reaches 100 people. We did this at camp. Actually, we we acted this out. They had like five students come up and said, go get two of your friends, brought them up. All right. Everybody go get two of your friends, brought them up. We did this until all 300 kids were at the front. And it was amazing. Right. It made you realize how quickly this chain reaction can take place. But only if we transform in Christ. Right. If we don't transform in Christ, if we do not become the men and women of God that we are called to be, if we stay at the starting line, baby Christians, we leave so many people out there who are eager for life who don't get it. Right. We have to transform both to Christ and in Christ. And this is why Satan works so hard to stop it. Right. Because first he tries to fight against you. Right. To make sure you don't transform to Christ. 
right? He tries to make sure you don't get there. And once you get there, his new mission is okay. They accepted God. That's one. I got to keep it at one, right? I got to get them distracted. I got to get them stressed out. I got to get their schedule busy. I got to turn them against their husband or wife, right? I got to make sure the last thing on their mind is transforming in Christ. Because if they do that, there will be a chain reaction and more and more people will come to Christ. And that's the last thing that Satan wants. So the question then is how, right? We know what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to transform to Christ and then in Christ. And this is just a little for free note. Oftentimes when we witness, we get it mixed up, right? We go to someone who hasn't even transformed to Christ and we, we start hitting them with rules and regulations and how to be a Christian. And we're like, you got to do this. Tell me everything you're doing wrong so that I can shame you for it, right? But in reality, that's not their problem. They don't need to transform in Christ. They need to transform to Christ. All they need to know is you are dead in your sin. There's a God who loves you and you can transform, right? Stop it there, right? And once they make that decision, then you get to the rules and the why and the how. But first they need to come to Christ. That was just for free. Now, the question, how? How do we transform? Because information without application is useless, right? It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. If you don't know how to do it, it doesn't help you, right? So... Question, how do we transform? It's a simple answer, and it is found in, in Romans Thank you, 2.12. Romans 2.12, it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's the answer right there. It's simple. How do we transform? By the renewing of your mind. Let me give you an example. My dad, I like to pick on my dad, right? Because that's kind of our relationship. He picks on me, I pick on him, and in a weird way, we tell each other we love each other without having to say those embarrassing words, right? And so, that's what we do. And so, this is my dad, right? He, he's a big man, all right? And so, every year, he has the same New Year's resolution. He gathers us all up for a family meeting, right? All right, kids, this is the year. All right, no more big dad who waddles around and can't do anything. I don't think so. You're not even going to recognize me this time next year. I'll be 200 pounds down. I'll be just a physical specimen, right? Be prepared. I'm going to beat you in all these sports. We're like, yeah, okay, here we go. I've heard this for the past 12 years, right? And he's on it, right? And he goes out and he buys little sandwich containers, right? Meal prep. He goes out, he gets the protein shakes, out with the junk food, in with the salad, right? He's ready to go. He buys like the diet books and he's telling all of his Facebook friends, you know, all these tips that he's going to do because he's a, he's a diet expert now. And, uh, and he lives this for about a week and a half, right? And then you walk in and you follow the trail of oatmeal cream pie wrappers and There he is on the recliner, 12 oatmeal cream pies deep with golf on the TV. And I'm like, "Uh, Dad, what what happened to your your meal prep containers and your diet books? He's like, "Uh, I cheated today. I'm like, okay, yep. And today turns into tomorrow. I'm going to start back Monday, though, and we're going to be in business, right? Next Monday, all right? But we're kind of close to Christmas. We should just wait till the new year, okay? Next year. Next year's the year, right? And it doesn't matter how much he prepares, how much he he buys. There's lots of buying of, of containers and all these things. He doesn't do it. Why? Because his mind is not transformed, right? He thinks that he can buy his way to dedication. 
But that's not really the truth. You can buy all the supplies you want. You can prepare yourself, right? You can get all the fancy new whatever. But if your mind is not set on what you want to do, you will not succeed. That is the exact same thing with our faith, right? We can tell ourselves, here's the deal. I'm going to transform, right? I'm going to, I'm going to become stronger, right? We can buy ourselves a new Bible, right? We can go out and... Um, Join a new Bible study. We can start going to church more often and it might work for a little bit. But until you change what's in here, right, it's not going to last. It can't, right? So how do we change what's in here, right? That's the hard part. Because what's in your mind, the state of your mind, your thought life, this is why who and what you let into your mind will absolutely shape who you are. And a lot of times we take the wrong approach. We're like, right, if I, just, if I just want it enough, then I'll get it, right? But no, because we can want it all we want. But if we hang around with the same people, we listen to the same music, watch the same movies, speak the same way, right? And expect a different result. How do you think that's going to work out, right? It's not. When things go into your mind, they overflow, and that is what you produce, what's on the inside. Often we say what's in your heart, right? In reality, it's actually what's in your mind, right? But we use those kind of interchangeably. Whatever is in your mind, whatever you are letting in, will absolutely transform you for better or for worse, right? And so... If you're really serious about it, you need to actually set yourself up to win. If you want to transform, you have to ask the hard questions. What am I letting into my mind? Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my thought life? What words are overflowing, right? Because that's how you can see the condition of your heart, of your mind. How do you know if it's working, right? How many of you guys have heard the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Anybody? Right? If you know it, sing it with me because that's the answer. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's beautiful and it's absolutely true. You know when transformation is taking place because the things that used to draw you in, the things that you maybe found funny, the things you wanted to spend your time in, the things that were the most important to you all of a sudden don't matter so much. Right? They don't. That's how you can tell. And how you can tell it's not working is if the things that drew you, right, are still the most important things. Right. If your thought life isn't getting any better and you're still spending so much of your time and your thoughts and your efforts in these dark places, transformation is not taking place. It has to start in the mind and work its way out from the inside out. So my final point here, as the band comes back up, I want you guys to ask yourself this question. Why is transformation so difficult? Right? Because on paper, it shouldn't be. Right, This is where I am. This is where I want to be. This is what I have to do. I have to take out the things that are stopping me and focus on the things that are helping me. It's a simple plan. Why is it so difficult to actually do? Right? Why? The answer is one word. 
And it is a powerful word. And that word is pain. That word is pain. We do not like pain. In fact, not only do we not like pain, to the point where we fear pain and will actively avoid it. And there is pain in transformation. In intentional transformation from darkness to light, the reality of it is, it is a painful process. And that scares some of us to the point where we don't even want to try. We're like, this is where I am, that's where I need to be, but I am not willing to go through the pain to get there. Right? An example, how many of you guys have ever fallen asleep, right, on your side, you wake up, your arm is totally numb? Anybody? Right? That happened to me one time. It was so numb, in fact, I didn't realize it. My hand was behind my head. I sat up, and I just felt a fist punch me in the face. I was sure it was my little brother. So I'm looking around. It's pitch black. I turn on the light. I still don't see him. And then I realize my arm is slowly coming back, and it's tingling, and I punched myself in the face and just didn't realize it. All right? It happens, right? Now, when your arm falls asleep and you can't feel a thing and then you start moving it around, right? What happens? It starts, it starts tingling a little bit and you're like, this feels funny. And a lot of times it gets to the point where you're like, oh, this is actually kind of painful. I don't like this. So what do we do? I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't lay back on our arm and try to get it to go back to sleep so that we don't feel it anymore, right? Because we need life in our arm. We need it to work. And so what most of us do, we try to hold very still, Right? We try to let the pain pass. Don't tell our siblings that our arm's asleep because they will for sure punch it. Right? We don't. And we get through the pain and all of a sudden the blood starts to flow back into our arm. Back into our hand. Right? The pain starts to subside and all of a sudden we have a perfectly usable good arm once again. Right? Now it's a funny example, but it's an accurate example. Because here's what happens. When we sin... Right? When we get into these dark areas of our life, even if we've given our life to Jesus, right, we still get caught up in our sin, in our shame, and we start to go numb. Right? We start to get to a point where something that was really, really difficult to do, it's not that difficult anymore. Right? I told a lie and it broke my heart, but the second time I told it, it, it wasn't as bad. So I can tell a little bit more of a lie. And the next time, I don't even really feel bad about it. So I can really just go big. And I can start lying to everybody. And the further we get away from God, the easier it is to sin. Because we block out the voice of the Holy Spirit. We become numb to conviction. We don't have that life inside us that we need. And in order to get from that place to the place that we need to be, We need God to breathe life into us. Here's where it becomes tricky. We know that when Jesus breathes his life, his Holy Spirit back into us, what was numb is not numb anymore and it's not going to feel good. Transformation to darkness, from darkness to light is painful. It's messy. But let me tell you this. If you stay numb, it's less painful, but it will absolutely lead to death. Right? Because if you're laying on your arm, back to the example, you never get off of it, blood never gets to it, eventually an arm's not going to work. Right? If you stay numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, eventually you just won't hear it at all. And you'll be so deep in the darkness that you've now transformed into something you never wanted to be. However, if you go through transformation in Christ from darkness to light, will it hurt? Yes. 
But the pain is temporary and what you get in return is eternal. Is absolutely eternal. So the question is, how am I transforming? And I don't have an answer for you guys. In fact, I want you to ask yourself that question. How am I transforming? Right? Am I transforming to Christ? Am I navigating this whole, who is Jesus? What is Christianity? Is this something I really want in my life? If that's you tonight, listen and respond. At the end of each of our Forge services, we invite anybody who wants to respond to the call of Jesus. Come up to the front, pray, grab a friend. If you see someone up front, come up and pray for them. This is a house of worship where we can take our problems to our Father and lay them at His feet. And that is what I invite you to do. But first we have to wrestle with the question, how am I transforming? Am I unintentionally transforming into something that I don't want to be? Am I intentionally transforming? If so, how? What is stopping me? What am I letting in my mind that is keeping me from transforming from the inside out? How am I transforming?